The Voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum. A very good evening. Khuyanant and Amal. Shukran so much for joining us in this edition. Uh, questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Wes answering your questions. Shukran Sheikh for joining us today and also for taking time out to answer our questions for this evening. Um, all those that have sent, we appreciate um, you having to wait your answers uh, for this evening. And it is a week or two back that we know that we, you've sent your questions. But please do continue sending your questions on 47913. That's our SMS line. 47913 um, Zerina is available via email also on info at vocfm.co.za that's Zerina Jacobs our, our producer for the show questions and, questions and answers and um, our fax line is also open on 021-447-271 or our Facebook page The Voice of the Cape Post your questions if you're listening to us across the lands and over the seas um, please do just make notes for questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Morris and they direct it to the show all right, so Sheikh, our first question deals with children, and it says starts with the following: Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Why does our kids, our children, scared within their own homes? They always want someone to stand at the toilet door, uh, or won't go in their room alone every night. Um, they do the recite the three calls and make every dua they know. So, Sheikh, please advise on on this. It does it, it does sound sound like about a bit of an emotional question as well. So we don't know what the problem is here. Inshallah, Sheikh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Um, yes, it it could be that uh, there the is actually something happening in the home mm-hmm. where the child is maybe feeling or, or sensing something abnormal okay. that is happening. We know that we believe in jinn and, and those things. Um, it has been it explained to us in the Quran uh, that those things do exist, etc., mm. etc. Et so they may well actually be real activity in the house um, that the child is uh, able to experience. And it is said that children normally are more sensitive to those things okay. than adults because they are more pure. You know, they are pure in terms of their souls and in terms of their hearts. So they are able to experience these things maybe better sometimes than what adults can. Um, what I can advise is uh, you need to obviously get someone to come and check it out for you and then actually see whether that is the case um, and and here my emphasis would be on the fact that when you get someone make sure it's a pious person somebody that's known for you know um, being a devout Muslim etc um, uh, because which we're going to get to to come and look at this is very important because there's lots of people out there that are doing all sorts of funny business right mm. they are making money out of people charging them lots of uh, um, lots of money and at the end they're not doing much you know they, they they're just playing around with people's emotions so when you get someone and alhamdulillah i think in our communities there is you know in certain uh, communities it's known certain ulama certain uh, sheikhs and, and and imams that are known for this kind of thing so the best is to consult with them and to actually see if there is anything like that um uh, the second thing that i would like to say is that uh, it's not a given that there is something wrong in the house. It's not a given fact that maybe that is the problem. Hmm. It could also well be that the children are experiencing these things because of their psychological state. 
it may be that they watch too much TV. They may be watching too much ghost films, you know, or films that are creepy or stuff like that. Uh, we know how that affects a child's mind as well. A child's mind can run wild with these kinds of things. They can get nightmares. Sometimes my son, he gets nightmares because of what he watched the previous day. Something had happened on TV, etc. He will get a nightmare. That mm. is a normal thing for a child, even for an adult for that matter. So uh, we need to also be careful and not uh, just jump to conclusions that it is abnormal uh, activities in the house, etc. Although we're not saying it's impossible. We're, what we want to say is don't let that be also the only thing in your mind that there is something going on in the house, maybe gin and stuff like that. Uh, you know, get it checked out and at the same time also make sure that your children are not exposed to certain things that are going to give them nightmares and give them, the, you know, the, the, this fright and stuff like that. And then just on a general basis, you say that you do recite the calls and you do recite whatever du'as or the children at least do that. And that is very good, alhamdulillah. And you should also try to encourage uh, the uh, recital of Surah Al-Baqarah in your home. If you can't do it by yourself, get someone to recite Surah Al-Baqarah in your home that is known to be effective and has been taught to us uh, you know that we should recite that particular surah the second chapter of the Quran in our homes if we feel uneasy and uncomfortable the ulama have also uh, recommended that if you really think that there is activities in your home is to recite the, the, the adhan you know to recite the adhan often allowed in the house because that is one of the repellents of shaitan and of jinn and stuff like that they actually feel very small and they feel feel very useless when they hear the words of Allah Ta'ala, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Mm. So make the adhan as much as you can, recite Surah Al-Baqarah, recite Ayatul Kursi, and make sure that when the children go to bed at night, that they recite before they go to bed, and not only uh, when they feel scared, but they should recite every night before they mm. go to bed as a protective mechanism. Um, I feel sometimes that we also, as, as, as parents, we are negligent. We allow the child, for example, to, to fall uh, asleep in front of the television. You know, so the last thing the child has on his or her mind is what they saw on the TV. Then they fall mm. asleep like that. And that's very negative because, you know, it's not a very good thing to go and sleep like that. Rather sleep with the words of Allah, with your shahada. I mean, our parents were very strict on these things and they had good reason to do so. And that is why, alhamdulillah, I think we by, by far and large were protected against these elements most of the times. So those are some possibilities. Uh, and yes, it could be the toilet you are saying about the toilets, etc. Yeah, they always want somebody. Yes, it is possible that the t toilet particularly could be a place where shaitan or where, where jinn hangs out and stuff because it's a place of, of that's dirty and, and that's not dirty, but instead, you know, a place of impurities. So they like to hang out at places like that. So it is quite possible all these things. But what I'm saying is don't just run to the conclusion and get paranoid about it. But at the same time, get somebody to check it out and see if, if there is any viability or if there's any, um, uh, you know, any reason to believe that there's extra activity in the house. And thirdly, uh, I think um, protect yourself and your family the best that you can, doing things good in the house, making salah in the house, dhikr in the house. And instead of playing music that is maybe unsuitable, pop music and those things, play some Quran in the house over a CD, play some recitals of dhikrs, etc. Those are all things that will bring a soothing effect for the children and for the environment in general in your home, inshallah ta'ala. Shukran, Sheikh. Okay, for that, <laughs> we need to take a break and inshallah just encompass all of that. And when we come back, more of your questions after this. Stay with us. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Serial. Radio station, your radio station, 
our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum, a very good evening. Shukran so much for joining us in this edition, uh, part two of uh, um, this show of questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Wes answering your questions. And um, Sheikh, I think with some of the questions that has come through, um, something that I just like Sheikh to mention because it does kind of put one at ease, uh, uneasy with some of the questions that are, that comes through, and um, they can be explained as a very basic knowledge. Um, and inshallah, Sheikh, I just like to give Sheikh, I just like uh, Sheikh to take some time out a little bit later and just to give us some nasiha on um, just general knowledge when it comes to um, Islam, Islam and our fiqh and how it is that you know we have a responsibility to ourselves to learn from the cradle to the grave, inshallah. Okay, so our next question is. Sheikh, um, I, uh, just a comment actually, and I'm so glad this comment has come about. It says, I'm uh, uh, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. I have a very good mother in law. Uh, one sentence she teaches my children everything what they need, and that's it. Alhamdulillah, that's a, a <laughs> what very, a nice comment. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very good to see that you know, this whole idea that you know, Beautiful it's a given fact, fact that the mother in law must be a monster in law, you know, as they call yeah. it. It's, it's proven that it's not, it doesn't have to be like that. The mm. mother in law can be a beautiful person, she mm. can, you know, be like your own mother. It's Etc. Hmm. And I think we must move away from that idea that the mother-in-law must be a monster by nature. So uh, yes, this is a, a very positive comment, and hopefully, you know, people will uh, be able to take on to that and uh, also allow their situations and their relationships with their in-laws to turn it into beautiful relationships true, instead yeah. of relationships where there's always, you know, uh, conflict, etc., etc. So shukran so much for that person uh, sending that very positive uh, comment to us. Okay. So the next one is with regards to. Diabetic husband. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. My husband is diabetic. Unfortunately, we're having some problems with regards to intimacy. It's causing some frustration, and he refuses to go for help. What can we do, Sheikh? Yeah, of course. Here we we need to to, to tell the husband that uh, you know it's an illness that he has. It's, mm. it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's something like any other sickness, like any, any other illness. And somebody should sit down with him and say, look, I mean, there are cures for these things. There mm. are scientific things that can be used, medicines and so on, that is on the market. And there's it's a specialized science that has been developed so uh, and and we know that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam had told us in a hadith tadawu ibadallah fa inna allah subhanahu lam yada'a da'an illa wa wada'a ma'ahu shifaa'an illa al-harim the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that uh, you should always seek uh, cure or you should seek uh, to cure yourself um, because allah ta'ala did not give a disease except that there will always be a cure with it as mm-hmm. well Sometimes we didn't yet discover the cure. We're still looking for it. We're still trying to, 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 to find out where it is or what it is. But we should know that there is always a cure for everything. Nabi, of course, makes one exception. He says, Illa al-harim, except old age. There's mm-hmm. no cure for old age, right? That is one of the process of life, process of life that we cannot obviously uh, reverse. But the point is that the Prophet here is trying to allude to us that when you are ill, try to address it in the appropriate way. Mm. Right? And here the way would be to seek professional medical help for your problem that you have. So in this case, if you're having uh, an issue well, as far as your relationship with your wife is concerned, don't feel embarrassed about it. Mm. Rather think about the, 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 rather think about the importance of your marriage that you want to keep intact. Mm. And it's going to cause strain and frustration if you don't address this problem. Because obviously the marriage must be also having this element of 
intimate relations between husband and wife. And if that is not there, there is going to be frustration. So please do try and, and, and be reasonable. And yes, you don't have to tell the whole world about it. Nobody needs to know. It's you and your wife. It's a secret between you. And the wife also should know that. Uh, okay, She's obviously asking a general question on the radio, but uh, nobody knows who it is. Hmm. So amongst your own family, you, you won't tell it to anybody, not even to your closest sisters or cousins, whatever. It should be a secret kept between the two of you. And yes, you should uh, deal with it in the appropriate way by going and seeking medical help, etc. And sometimes they will tell you, sometimes it's not even really a medical problem, but it's a psychological problem. Hmm. So you need to look at that angle as well. You may be too anxious or you may be too busy working and you're stressed out. Those are all factors that they will tell you uh, could possibly play a role in causing some issues as far as your uh, relationship with your wife is concerned. So we hope, inshallah, that you will go forward and go ahead and seek the help that is needed uh, for the situation that you're in, inshallah ta'ala. Okay, Sheikh, we, we've got a repeat of a question that we've received last week, so I'm just going to make mention it. And inshallah, Sheikh has um, answered this question. Sheikh can maybe just reiterate some com- comments, inshallah. But it says, Salam, I moved uh, to my mom's place uh, with my children as we had to move from the place we were staying. Now my husband doesn't want to stay with us at my mom's place. He now lives with his mother. He comes on weekends only when he has a lift. Then he comes with all his dirty washing as if I'm his maid. And if my mom's place is a hotel where he comes and goes as he pleases, he's not doing, he is doing this rather for his convenience. He moaned when he had to pay rent and I must be satisfied with the one and a half for groceries. A plus traveling fee for both my children. The children want nothing to do with their father because in their mind he left us behind and I must be both parents. What can I do? So just a little bit more elaboration on the last. Sheikh, any yeah, comments? We, we, we commented on this question on a previous show where we said that uh, it's, it's very unhealthy for them to live like this, to, to live apart where you just occasionally come and visit. Um, a marriage cannot survive like that. You need to be there for each other all the time. Mm. And especially when there's kids around. I mean, one of the parents cannot look after the kids alone. Mm. You know, they need the input of both mother and father at all times. So uh, we said that that is a very unhealthy situation. But at the same time, I mentioned we need to obviously find out what his condition is. Why doesn't he want to come back? Is there maybe past history with the in-laws? Is there issues and, and stuff like that? And if there is, it's best we address it instead of leaving it just like that. We need to address and come to the core of the problem that we are obviously are are facing. So uh, I would advise here, and what I advised previously is that obviously she needs to sit down with him and clarify why is it that he's doing this. And in terms of the other things that she, she's mentioning, that he does not give adequate nafaka and she she he comes there just occasionally so that, so that she can do the washing, etc., etc. Again, those, those are all things that need to be spoken about. There needs to be ground rules that we follow. In any relationship, we must have ground rules. We must have certain parameters. We must have an understanding on matters. And nothing is going to get resolved just by, you know, uh, by leaving it or just Mm. by ignoring it, you know, by ignoring something, it will not come right. We need to sit down, have a good conversation, a serious conversation about these things. And uh, him moaning to pay nafaka, that is not even sufficient. He should be taught that obviously it's not right um, to moan about these things. It's a duty that Allah has given you. Do it with pride. Do it with love. Do it because you care for your family. And in that way, you will gain their respect. 
and your you will gain their love in return as well. I mean, she's mentioning here already what negative effect it has on the children because yes. oh, now sure. the children is already undermining the father's authority mm. because he doesn't play the role of a father. You know, the role of the father is to provide, to work for his family, to make sure that they're comfortable, to give them whatever they need. Obviously, in terms of his capacity, we're not going to tell him to give what is beyond his own capacity. But he must at least put in the effort to do so. Hmm. So those are the things that we want to obviously tell this person. Whether he's listening, I don't know. But if he is, um, don't don't allow the situation to get out of control where even you lose your own children's respect for you because you are not paying your 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 duties or you're not fulfilling your duties the way that you should. So inshallah, hopefully with those few words, we hope that uh, the parties will come together. They will be able to find a reasonable solution for this difficulty that they are in and it all starts with a good sober um, uh, serious dialogue and discussion between the two of them uh, in the interest of the marriage and in the interest of the children inshallah shukran sheikh and uh, we'll take a short break and come back just after this stay with us peace of mind and excellent service is what you'll get in panel beating with alpha body works Approved by all major insurance companies, Alpha Body Works Collision Repair Center produces quality results with exceptional service. Not only do we collect and deliver your vehicle, Alpha Body Works also gives you a choice from 11 courtesy vehicles for your convenience. For technology, quality and service, Alpha Body Works is steps above the rest. Call 021-691-9333 or visit alphabodyworks.coza. Yes, it's back to school time again with Islamic Relief. This year, Islamic Relief intends to provide educational support to over 1,200 orphans. For only 950 rand, you could supply an orphan for a year with two shirts, two pants, two pairs of socks, a jacket or jersey, a pair of shoes, and a stationery pack, all for 950 rand. To go ahead and make a difference with Islamic Relief. Call 0800-111-898 for more details. Islamic Relief, celebrating 30 years of serving humanity. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Very good evening. Welcome back and shukran for joining us. We continue with your SMSs and jazakallah khair to everyone for their patience. It's sabr the, that we've taken some time to get through your um, your questions. Um, but here goes the next one. Assalamu alaikum. Husband passed on and left an estate to wife till death. Um, she married again. Uh, she has five children uh, from the fi- from the first marriage who are all married. They need their inheritance. There's a new husband, does not support her. She works for rates, water and electricity. Mother feels she has to look after herself with the current husband. What happens to the children's inheritance, Sheikh? Yeah, of course, the, the children's inheritance should have been distributed uh, at the time when the mm. father passed away. And obviously, she as a wife will also get a portion of that inheritance. Her portion would have been, if the, uh, the father obviously had children, a portion would have been 12.5% of the estate. And the children, of course, will get the remaining shares. If it's uh, boys, I think that she said it's all boys. Um, so they will all get uh, equal share. They will share whatever is remaining of the uh, estate. They will share it equally. This should have been done uh, as soon as they could have done it after the demise of the father. Mm. It should not have been delayed. And this is always what we find happening in terms of... Um, uh, 
uh, inheritance that they delay, they put it out, and afterwards it becomes complicated, it becomes a problem, because now some is living in the house, some is out of the house, the house is supposed to be sold, or the house is supposed to be bought over by one person and be paid out to the rest mm. and stuff. So it's always very tricky, and the longer we leave it out, the more difficult it becomes to settle. Okay, and it should be done almost immediately after death. That is the best way to ensure that each person will get his haq hmm. that is duly his or her. First problem, I think they must, nonetheless, the, the inheritance must be expedited. Look, the second part of the question deals with the new husband. The new husband obviously has got nothing to do with the inheritance of the of, of the father. Hmm. Okay, he's got nothing to do with that. So that is two separate things. So they must follow up with the, uh, with the executor, wherever the executor is, and find out why the estate has not been wound up, why they didn't get their portions, etc. As far as the second part of the question is concerned, it's obviously, um, again, a matter of the new husband not supporting and not working. And unfortunately, we get so much of these questions. It seems that our yes, uh, our husbands are just really, you know, it's normal for them just to shun the responsibility of mm. providing for the family. And I think that is where things are going wrong. That is why wives also don't feel confident in their husbands, confidence in the husbands, the children don't feel confidence. Everything goes haywire if we don't do our duties that is God-given. You know, if you don't fulfill those duties, everything goes wrong. Mm. So uh, it is obviously uh, the duty of the husband to look after the wife. It's not the wife's duty to work for rates and for electricity and for water <laughs> and all those things. Uh, and yes, nothing stops them from coming to some kind of understanding if she's also working. Mm. Because life is tough nowadays. Life is not that easy where one person can sometimes pay everything. So if there's a, a good understanding between husband and wife, say, look, I'll cover X, Y, and Z, and you cover X, Y, and Z mm. with your salary, then there's a beautiful mutual cooperation that is taking place, you know, and that strengthens the bond and strengthens the family, and it, it gives pride to the family, you know, that they're both working hard to see that their children and themselves are living a good, comfortable life. Mm. So, um, yes, the husband here, again, should be obviously advised on the fact that he uh, is the one that should be providing and not the wife. Um, and they they must come to an agreement that this is a duty of the husband and not of the wife. Okay, they must come to that realization, and once they do that, things will again fall back into place, inshallah. So we hope all of the best in terms of the inheritance issue and in terms of the nafaka issue. Uh, we hope that it will be resolved in a way that is reasonable for all parties. Inshallah. All right. Our next question is, Assalamu alaikum. Please can Sheikh explain the rules and laws pertaining to the mother keeping relations with her children if they are murtat or lesbian, but claim to be Muslim and make salah? And can a mother accept money from these children as well? Shukran. Yeah, this is a very, uh, you know, sad question, mm. once again, where a parent has to deal with this kind of thing. And uh, one often wonders, you know, how did it get to this? You know, mm. How did it get to this, the point where, a, wife, uh, where a, a, a father or mother has to be faced with the fact that the child has become murtad or the child has become a lesbian, for example? Mm. It means, obviously, that something went wrong along the line. You know, there was maybe a gap somewhere. And here we're not blaming any parents because life is challenging out there. There's many temptations. There's many things happening And so yes, we, we try our best And yet, after all of that, we may still fail hmm. Right? Because Allah Ta'ala, He sometimes tests us with these kinds of things So uh, we, we should, in, in fact, here yeah, What we should e try to do is We should ascertain from the children, you know What they want in life What hmm. are they doing? You know, why are they following this path? And once we are clear what they are doing Let's say they, they are really murtad Then obviously it wouldn't make sense to say they're murtad But they're still making salah Hmm. You know, that two won't obviously go together. Okay, you can't make salah if you forsake, you know, the, the, the belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
You know, on the other hand, the question of being a lesbian, for example, we know it's one of the major issues in Islam that it cannot be allowed. Mm-hmm. And yes, while we won't call a person murtad if he's a lesbian, okay, we make that distinction. We, we won't necessarily be out of the fold of Islam for that matter. But it's something that is very serious. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand why and understand how can you make salah, for example, but you are practicing things which is not only haram in Islam, but in all religions. You know, Christianity, Judaism, mm-hmm. all divine religions would say that this is something unacceptable, something which cannot be entertained in any way or form. Okay? So uh, I think what the mother should be doing here is to ascertain from them why they are doing these things. And if they persist in doing it in that particular way, then she should be firm and assertive in the way that she's going to deal with it. You know? Um, it, it, and, and, and sometimes the best way to, to actually affirm yourself in these situations is to, to, to excommunicate them. And that may seem harsh, okay? It may seem as a harsh measure. But sometimes that is a good method to bring them back, you know, because they may be very attached to the mother. Maybe they are very dependent on the mother's love and the mother's emotions, you know. And sometimes if that is going to be the the, the method to get them back to Islam properly and to get them back on the straight path, then that is what she should do. It's going to be a little bit of a sacrifice, but hopefully the outcome will be good. On the other hand, if she knows they, they may rebel even further if she does that, then she must try other ways and means to give them the impression that she doesn't condone what they are doing, she cannot accept what they are doing. And this is, I think, latched onto the last part of the question, should she receive money from them? I don't think she should. Hmm. You know, She should take a stance. Say, look, I don't want nothing from you unless you are prepared to show me your commitment in what, on what you are doing and hmm. what, you are, uh, what you are. Well, they're claiming to be Muslims and making salah. Yeah, so it's a bit confusing. Mm. I mean, if you're murtad, you can't claim to Do be murtad and Muslim. you believe them as a mother? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why mm. I think we need to, uh, a learned person, a scholar, need to obviously sit with them and find out what their problems are. Because it's not always where, even a mother, she, she may have the, all the emotional attachment, but mm. she may not have the skill to know, you know or the knowledge to be able to ascertain what they are doing, you know, is but it within the fold. she's also so emotionally attached to them that she can't make that Yes, decision. exactly. So I think it's best that they get, obviously, a scholar into to hear what the children are doing. Why are they claiming they're still making salah, but they, you know, at the same time, totally off track. Hmm. So a, a scholar will be able to ascertain, you know, are they really out of the fold? Maybe they're just something that which they misinterpreted or which they hmm. misunderstood, and maybe they can be rectified, etc. So that would be obviously the first point of departure for the mother to, 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 to expedite. And then afterwards, I think uh, whatever decision is going to be made or whatever conclusion is going to be reached, she must basically be uh, firm you know, in her stance that she's going to take. And that's why I think the money issue, she shouldn't take money from them hmm. unless she's comfortable that they are doing the right thing or they're at least willing to reconsider what they are doing. it Because it's in, a, in a way, it's going to be hypocritical to say that, you know, you can live the way that you want. I'm mm-hmm. not really happy with you, but I'll still accept your money that you give me, you know. As long as you can give me money, that is fine. I think we should, and that will send a strong message to them that they need to get their act together before they are going to get the mother's love and the mother's attention and the mother's input on what their lives are all about. But we pray for her, inshallah, and people like her. And Allah make, her, make, make them strong to be able to see uh, you know, the end of this difficulty and the end of this trial that they are going through. Allah keep them you know, uh, steadfast. On the principles of Islam, inshallah, as far inshallah. as this issue is concerned. Shukran, Sheikh. All right. So, next SMS is Assalamu alaikum. Question for Sheikh Mus. A talaq has gone through, done, and everything complete. Lately, the ex husband and the ex wife became friendly, and now the ex wife is pregnant. 
how can they or rather can they or yeah can they get married after ataraxia yeah of course uh, they can but before i, I go into just uh, the explanation of that is to say that the act of them being intimate with one another after the idda was concluded is obviously wrong it was wrong of them to do that mm-hmm. because they were no longer married they like strange people because she was uh, at that stage she was able to get married to anyone else for that matter so they must make tawbah you know for that uh, act of theirs and not take it lightly you know that's the first thing i want to say that they need to return to allah and repent to allah for that uh, act of transgression that they had committed but secondly in terms of can they get married after the idda is concluded here it will solely depend on what type of a divorce it was if it was a first or a second divorce <laughs> then they are able to get married because of course uh, a first and a second divorce is not final uh, in the sense that you can get back together you can reconcile if it is within the idda you can reconcile even without getting married <laughs> but if it is beyond the idda then you will only have to you will have to remarry each other in order to resume that particular marriage so if it was the first or the second then by all means you can get married again and when you get married again this is an important point the two talaqs is still in place so now you still only have one talaq left in your marriage you know you only have one divorce or one chance left to make it work on the other hand if it was a final divorce after the third divorce then you can't simply marry each other again what would happen here now is that the wife will have to marry someone else first and she will have to live with that second husband and consume the marriage with the second husband yeah and then finally be divorced by that second husband and all of this must be genuine it mustn't be something that is planned you know because it's easy just to go to somebody and say look i want my ex-husband back but i have to remarry so let's marry quickly for a week we consummate and then you divorce me mm-hmm. and if they do that that will be wrong and this actually the prophet some had cursed somebody that does that you know because it's almost like playing around mm-hmm. with the laws of islam so that should not be uh, followed they should not uh, arrange such a marriage after a final divorce she must genuinely get married to someone genuinely live with him gen- genuinely consummate the marriage and finally she must genuinely be divorced by him and then she will go under idda for that talaq again and once she's done with that idda only now it will be possible for ex-husband and her to remarry each other okay and this is uh, mentioned in the quran surah al-baqarah chapter 2 verse 230 where allah ta'ala says fa'in talaqaha fala tahillu lahu min ba'du hatta tankiha zawjan ghayra if he finally divorces her a final divorce then it is not halal uh, for him to take her back unless she had married someone else uh, in between she must have gotten married to someone else and then she can come back to her ex-husband this is only if it is after a final third divorce after the first and second like i said they are able to remarry each other shukran sheikh okay hope nobody plays it down with the laws of uh, of islam inshallah okay so our next question is assalamu alaikum if you are not islamically married and you are female pious muslim man then proposes where your previous partner was a gambler and didn't attend Juma at all with and no salah at all now if they and, and this is addition to it and if there is a south african divorce pending can the female enter into an islamic marriage while a south african divorce is pending sheikh yeah so it appears that they were married uh, according to the courts yes. but they weren't married according to islamic rights so if the procedure of islamic marriages was not followed 
then it means they are not married. Right? Never they were married. never married okay. because we've got a specific procedure to be followed when a husband and a wife wants to get married according to Islam. So if there were the witnesses or the wali or the spoken offer and acceptance was not in place, then that marriage is obviously. So if that is the case, the status quo would be they are not married. Hmm. Islamically, they are not married. However, because she is now attached to the courts, this makes it a little bit more complicated. Um, so what we will say here is that if she now wants to get married to a suitable match that had uh, asked the hand in marriage, although Islamically it would be allowed for her to do so, right? Because she wasn't married in the first place. Mm-hmm. But from a legal point of view, it would not be advisable to do that because there's certain implications as far as the legalities is concerned. Because the court of law will take it to task, you know, on certain things. Mm-hmm. So, because they obviously don't recognize Islamic law. So, the, 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 the best advice here is for her not to get married. Yeah, to protect To her. wait a little bit, mm. because she may put herself in difficulties. She may put herself in a, in a very uh, precarious situation. So, the best is for her to sober a little bit. And if this person is really sincere in wanting to, because she says he's a pious man, and compared to the other husband, is, or the other person is a, is a much better uh, suitable, uh, so there's much more suitability, and is a much more better person, or a candidate. So, if if that is the case, then you will obviously wait for you a little bit mm-hmm. until your things are settled, until the divorce is final. And yes, I know it can take some time. Uh, usually it doesn't just happen. It takes maybe a couple of months. But that uh, should, I think, be a better option mm-hmm. for you than to attach yourself Islamically to, to him, although Islamically it would be allowed. Um, legally, it's just going to be too complicated if there's maybe, uh, let's say, they they married in community of property, let's say. Mm-hmm. Then it's further complications because now it's a distribution of the wealth. You know, 50%, 50%. So all those things must be ascertained and wound up and so on. So it could be something which can affect her. So my advice would be for not to do that until things are settled. Shukran. <coughs> all right, Sheikh. So, so the next question is, what is the maximum period for nifas? Yeah, just to explain quickly, nifas, of course, means that uh, a woman who has given birth will experience uh, postnatal bleeding. So what that means is that she's not allowed to make salah, she's not allowed to fast if it's Ramadan, she's not allowed to touch the Quran and read the Quran, etc., etc. Um, and the period is normally, uh, there's three periods that we can give. The least amount of nifas that will be experienced after childbirth is one moment. You know, some women averages very quickly and they are clean afterwards. One such example was Fatima to Zahra, the beloved daughter of Rasulullah when she gave birth to both Hassan and Hussein on two different occasions. And of course, they're not twins. Many people think they are twins. Mm. They're not twins at all. Al-Hassan was almost a year older than Al-Hussein. And uh, uh, the fact is that when she gave birth to them, she did not have menstrual bleeding at all except uh, for that initial stages. And then she was pure after that. And that is why she's called Fatima to Zahra. Zahra means the pure one. Okay, that is one of the reasons why she's gotten that title. So if a woman has got uh, one moment of nifas or just a few moments or let's say a, uh, you know, a short period and she's clean, then that is possible. The usual period of postnatal bleeding is 40 days. That is what people normally experience just over a month. And the maximum period will be 60 days. So if after the 60th day the woman is still experiencing uh, bleeding, then we will not consider that to be uh, nifas or postnatal bleeding anymore. We will now consider it to be istihada, and istihada is actually a condition where the uh, where the the woman's body is not in a healthy state. 
where she is bleeding in times other than an, a, a usual conditions. So in such a case, after the 60th day, she can take a ghusl and she can go back to a normal self by making salah, by making, uh, you know, reading Quran, touching Quran, fasting if she wants to fast, right? That is after the 60th day of being in a period of postnatal bleeding. Anything before that will still possibly be considered to be nifas. Okay, and she knows her body. She knows uh, what type of you know bleeding occurs uh, before and after the birth. She knows all these things about her own body, and so she should be better in a position to know and to distinguish between all these things. But the amount of period is definitely sixty days as a maximum period for a person to leave off salah uh, after childbirth. Shukran. And with that, uh, let's just just go and pay some bills and come back with some of your questions on four seven nine one three back. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum, welcome back, very good evening, and uh, we are in questions and answers. I'm Khawa Solomon, we've got probably halfway to go still, so shukran for staying with us and joining us every uh, Saturday as you book your time on a Saturday evening between 6 and 7 um, to listen to Sheikh's explanations of all the questions we receive via SMS on 47913. Okay, so let's try and get through all our questions. Uh, Sheikh, this question, I'm hoping to try and to get the most out of it, so because I see there's some bits... Um, missing, so let's start Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum. Um, hope this message finds you in the best of health. Yes, shukran. I have a 16 year old daughter that feels very hurt by her father. She stayed by her father last year and got into a, and then there's a piece missing. She, and then it just continues, she needs to concentrate on her school. Please advise, shukran. Yeah, it's, it's not entirely, yeah, not entirely clear, but it, it seems that uh, she had a problem while staying with her father. Yes. And now the mother doesn't want her to stay with her father again yeah. because she needs to be now um, busy with the schoolwork, yeah. etc. Uh, I think the best uh, in matters like these is for both mother and father, especially in a divorced situation, uh, and this may well be the case, um, to to discuss matters openly, you know, to rather get a clear understanding and a clear communication pattern mm. between mother and father, because this is important. We don't want to send wrong signals to the child. We want the child to know that no matter what, this is still your father and this is still your mother. Okay, so I think it's always best to to do these things openly, especially as parents, mm. and also to always take the children's well-being into account before our own. Okay, we may have our own needs and our own observations and our own issues and so on and so forth, right? Um, we, we have our own likes and our dislikes, but at the end of the day, day we need to look at the child's well-being. Now, let's say the the mother wants to take a stance now not to send the child at all to the father Mm. because of wanting to concentrate on the schoolwork. That, for me, doesn't make logical sense because you can't keep a child away from the father with the excuse of schoolwork, right? Schoolwork needs to be done and concentrated on, but the father is also needed in the child's life, Mm. right? Both is needed. The mother is needed and the father is needed. So I think you you cannot justify like that. And I may be misreading the question. We don't know because it's, it's a bit of gaps in between. But we're just trying to make sense as to what it could possibly mean. So if that is the case, I think you should really, as parents, play the role of having good communication, trying to do what is best for your daughter, especially at that age. I mean, that is a very crucial age. You know, teenagers from uh, the age of 14, 15, 16, upward, you know. That's an age with lots of body changes, hormonal changes. There's lots of other things happening around them. There's so many uh, uh, temptations. There's so many. So we need to be there for them. 
both fatherly figures and motherly figures, mm-hmm. right? So I would like, inshallah, for this couple to do just that and to uh, put everything else aside. If there's a problem that happened there, okay, let's let's try to solve it or let's try to to resolve it, but let's not become over emotional on certain things that is going to have a negative effect in the long-term relationship mm. that either parent is going to have for the child. I hope that kinds of uh, answers, you know, mm. uh, if that is the question. I, but yeah. what we can advise is if it wasn't or there was something else intended, please do write again. Yes. Or just resend the SMS so that we can get a clearer perspective of what the situation question, was yeah. and then advise accordingly. Shukran, Sheikh. Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Um, I was emotionally abused in my marriage and was advised by a Sheikh to ask my husband to leave since we stayed with my parents. He refuses to give me a talaq and claims I'm still his wife, but he hasn't paid any nafaqa and claims that a Sheikh has told him not to nafaqa since he was told to leave. Shukran. I think the, there's uh, still another addition to the question. Oh, okay. No, it's, and then he says, Amaf, Alhamdulillah. Amaf. It says, yeah, addition is, is Alhamdulillah. Um, my parents are by me. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, my parents are by the means to look after me, but um, it is, possi- is it possible that Sheikh um, can advise him as above? Or can Sheikh, yeah, yeah give I think advice is it on possible that a Sheikh had advised him the way that he did? I yes, to say not nafakam, maaf yeah. sheikh. So I think the, the situation here is um, is, is quite uh, intri- intricate in the sense that um, we need to obviously ascertain a number of things first. Um, but before I go there, I can simply say that he's claimed that you are still married to him. Mm-hmm. Um, if you didn't formally go for a fasakh and if he formally did not divorce you, then yes, legally, sharia-wise, you are still married. You know, if no procedures of separation had been followed, then you are not separated as such. Okay, we know that living apart does not separate you. Hmm. or does not break a marriage, per se. The question here is in terms of him not paying nafaka, and now the confusion by the fact that if he didn't pay nafaka, then it means, or, or let's say he, 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 was, he was told to leave, so because he left, he didn't pay nafaka, and so he feels he's justified to do that. Okay, what I want to know here is, if you say he did not pay nafaka, do you mean he did not pay nafaka from the time that he left? Or did he always not pay nafaka? Because there's a difference between the two. If it is that he always did not pay nafaka, then it means obviously that he's already forfeited or he's already foregone his duties before he was put out of the house or was told to leave. Hmm. Which means there's already ground for fasakh there if he did not give nafaka at the beginning of the marriage. Or during the marriage, while you were still living together. Okay? The second question that we would want to ask here is, when you were still to leave, was it justifiable or justified for you to do, to do that? To say for him, he must leave. Hmm. Was the reason good enough and strong enough for him to leave? Or was, it a, was there a possibility of you still living together and trying to resolve your issues? Okay? Because it's not, uh, you know, just to tell somebody to leave also, is also perhaps not the best option. And yes, if the reasons were not justifiable for him to leave, was not strong enough, then it means he's got the right to withhold the nafaka from that period onwards. Mm. Right? From that moment onwards, he can say, well, I, I don't want to pay nafaka because why did I have to leave or why do you prefer not to live with me, for example? He can withhold nafaka on that grounds only. But if there were justifiable reasons, let's say, uh, I know she, she, I think she mentioned something of uh, abuse. Um, but let's say it was actually life-threatening hmm. for that matter. 
then in such a case, obviously, he will have to leave. He will, have, I mean, if it's if it's uh, abuse or if it's uh, life-threatening in the sense that she doesn't feel safe, then there's obviously justification for him to leave, right? And so in that case, even for him now to say he's going to withdraw the nafaka doesn't make sense because he caused the situation in the first place. So he can't withdraw nafaka in that sense. He still owes the nafaka at the time while she's living even by her parents if he was the cause that they actually put him out mm. okay so we have to uh, clarify all these details first before we can actually give a proper sort of uh, advice on this and they need obviously somebody to, to to sit with him and to listen to the story of both sides and then give advice you know and i think at the end of the day look if you are living apart we don't know how long it has been etc and uh, things are just not working out Right, then the best is to come to a amicable agreement rather to resolve the marriage or rather to dissolve the marriage rather to dissolve the marriage because it's no use wanting to remain in something which cannot work or which is not working okay and that's why uh, talaq although it is something that is detested by Allah it is nonetheless uh, an avenue to be explored when necessary to uh, obviously as a, as a, as a way out mm-hmm. as a mechanism to come out of a difficult situation. So in this case, if they're living apart, uh, what I find husbands sometimes do is they want to now, you know, almost they keep the wife's hostage, man, in this marriage. Yeah, Yeah, look, I I just won't give you a divorce, Mm -hmm. no matter what. I mean, why do that? Why do that? Why why not just move on, you know? She can move on, you can move on. Mm. Why keep it in your hand as a pawn, you know, like to use to threaten her worth or etc. like that? I don't think that is what Allah wants from us. That's why when we, actually when the Imam utters those words in the masjid, he says, إِمْسَاكٌ بِمَعْرُوفٌ أَوْ تَسْرِيحٌ بِإِحْسَانٌ He says this to the husband. He says, I'm going to marry you now on, on condition that there must be, either you're going to keep this wife, with goodness if you have to release her you're going to release her also with goodness mm-hmm. you know you're going to part ways in a favorable situation you're not going to mm-hmm. hate each other mm-hmm. or despite each other when you move because sometimes situations just don't work out mm-hmm. and that's why talaq is there as an option and so here yeah, i would obviously encourage them to have counseling first we don't just want divorce. We don't want to, them just to split up. They must have counseling by scholars that can guide them. And then finally, if it is that there's no way that they're going to resolve the issues, she wants to be, be a way out of the marriage or he wants to be out of the marriage, then the best is to call it quits, to move on. Uh, because Allah knows best, you know, sometimes these things mm-hmm. happen for a reason. There may be in the future something else that would have come out that was worse. So it's much better than just to follow that path and to... Uh, uh, Go your separate ways in a good, amicable way. And that way you still have your dignity in place, you know. Mm. You still have your honor in place. And uh, uh, there's always maybe chance for remarrying and stuff like that. It's maybe not the end of the world also. We must think of it in that way. It's just a test or an obstacle that we need to overcome. And once it is overcome, there will be, inshallah, hopefully light at the end of that tunnel for them. Uh, So we hope, inshallah, that they get some kind of conclusion or answer on Shukran, Sheikh. Let's uh, move to a short break and more of your questions after this. So stay with us. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Serial. My radio station, your radio station. Radio station, the voice of the Cape.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back and uh, good evening. We're in our last segment of this edition of Questions and Answers. Shukran for staying with us. I'm Khawa Solomon and answering your questions is Sheikh Ibrahim Wurz. Sheikh is the resident imam at the Yusufiyah Masjid. Um, let's continue with the show and some comments we've received uh, via SMS as well on 47913. And I think this was at the time when we were, when Sheikh was, was, was answering questions on, um, Janaza. And I put down some notes, hopefully going through to productions. But uh, just to make mention of the, of the questions is that it says that family should bring food and donate the food for the family. Attend the mayat. Um, another comment was: Food should be cooked at the neighbor's house, preferably, and it is served to family and friends who come from afar that have travelled a long distance to get to the janaza, and not to the people nearby. Um, those are just a few comments. I think Sheikh um, that was made at the time when we, when Sheikh was answering questions on janaza. Yeah, yeah, absolutely correct. And uh, we kind of alluded to some of these things. Mm. We said we shouldn't burden the people who lost someone to prepare food and to make it a duty that they must fulfill and stuff like that it should be the family members extended family members or neighbors or friends that should do that duty and in fact who should be fed first they must be fed first the, the people of the mayit you know the people that lost the dear one yeah. they must be looked after first because they are in an emotional difficulty and their minds are occupied with so many things so they they're not the ones that should be serving others hmm. they should be served you know they should be looked after yeah, they're not they, even thinking of eating yes exactly yeah. but they should at least be seated and be asked if there's anything they want etc you know hmm. and in terms of saying it should only be for the people that are coming from far and not for the near well we can't make those restrictions per se to say it's only for this and not for that that's for anybody that it's intended that is there it's no problem it's a sadaqah that you can give to whoever is there because if the family members extended family or the neighbors are making the food uh, and of course uh, you're not going to ask now are you near or are you far I mean mm, where did you come yes, from it's, exactly. it's not also uh, distasteful you know to not ask you know are you close or not close or are you coming from far or not far you just feed people mm. but I think for me the crux of the matter here is that we don't overburden the family of the deceased mm. that is the, the crux so mentioning yes it shouldn't be cooked in their house maybe the neighbor's house that's mm. a good su- suggestion so that you don't occupy their home or make their uh, place you know full and, and stuff so that's a good suggestion mm. maybe it must be done somewhere else you know prepared somewhere else that's a good suggestion uh, and then inshallah once we do that then uh, that is what what, what is needed to give uh, contentment to the hearts of the people remember they, they lost someone mm. so they need that uh, support moral support we don't need to bomb bombard them with things that is not necessary at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't make demands on them as well to say, you know, we want this food or that food or make this or give this tea. We or need this. to pay that. Yeah, no, that nothing like that. We leave them to deal with their losses and we reach out to them. And I think that is the crux of the matter here. And Alhamdulillah, I think our tradition is very rich as far as this is concerned. Mm. You normally find everybody coming together. Somebody saying, I'll bring this. Somebody say, I'll mm. bring that. Somebody say, don't worry, I'll, you know. And there's that supportive structure at the janazah where Alhamdulillah, I think mostly it happens as such where the actual family of the deceased the, are not burdened mm. with the fact that they must still cook for people and feed people, etc., because that is not what should happen. We should feed them instead and make them comfortable for the day of, of the janazah, inshallah. Shukran, Sheikh. And I think we unfortunately have time for one last question on this show. It says, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Can my wife travel alone from work with a strange man when she works late? Yeah, look, uh, yeah, I would say only if it is absolutely necessary. Mm. There's no other way for her to come home and she's going to be stranded and it may be dangerous for her. Then yes, as a means of 
necessity only. But it's not something that I would necessarily encourage, mm. okay, because the hadith of the Prophet oh, is very so. clear where he says, That a person is never alone with a strange woman except that the shaitan is the third party. You know, especially late at night. It's worse because it's dark, It's uh, nobody is really around and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So to take a lift from a strange man, and especially if, if it's once off also maybe, not that I'm justifying, but if it's once off, it would be easier than if it's every night as well. Mm. Because I think if it's every night, there's familiarity, it becomes more comfortable, you come, become more comfortable with the person. So things may lead, one thing may lead to a, another. And no matter how strong we are, mm. shaitan, you know, he's got a way sometimes of overpowering us. And playing with our minds. So I think uh, it's very important that you as a husband should make the necessary arrangements for your wife to get a lift home, if you can, of course, uh, and, and make sure that you know she gets home safely in the best possible way. If there's absolutely no other way, but mm-hmm. she has to travel like this, then out of necessity I will say yes, but you must try your utmost best to change the arrangements. Let's say it's a group of people and not the two of them alone. Mm-hmm. You know, then that is obviously better. Let's say it's, it's she and this driver and maybe another one or two people that also travels with him. Mm. Then that lessens the the issues because now it's, it's not a matter of being alone and so on. That makes the situation much more conducive and bearable uh, for them to travel in that particular fashion. Uh, so inshallah, I hope the husband will be able to find a way to accommodate for his wife to be fetched or to, to travel in a way that she will be safe and that there will be no suspicions and no issues that will arise later on because of maybe small things that we sometimes overlook mm. or that we take for granted. What happens is we find that it blows out into major stuff because of our negligence that on, on matters of the deen, which should be taken care of. Shukran, Sheikh. And unfortunately, we have to leave it there. It's been a pleasure having Sheikh back in the studio with us, answering the questions. And once again, I'd like to reiterate to everybody um, that has anxiously awaited their questions. Inshallah, if you send your SMS, it will be dealt with in the weeks to follow. Inshallah, I can't promise for next week. But uh, we we have, we, we receive every single question that comes through between 6 and 7 for the show. So shukran so much uh, for, for staying with us and, and, and um, joining us every week. We really appreciate it. And please spread the word uh, for those wanting to listen to um, a detailed answer to questions we've received from the community. Jazakallah khair to, to Sheikh once again for um, uh, well show presented with all the questions we really appreciate the research Sheikh does coming back with all our um, the questions from the community and answering it in the way Sheikh does um Jazakallah and uh, salams to Sheikh's family and friends back home and uh, all the best for the rest of the weekend, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan to you as well, Sister Hawa, and a big, big shukran to all our listeners that are always tuning in to get some kind of uh, guidance and some kind of uh, encouragement uh, from the words of Allah and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. At least we can make an attempt to live our lives a little bit better um, in the way that pleases Allah ta'ala. May Allah accept from all of us and make it easy and may we... uh, Continue to strive for knowledge. It's very important that we don't only use the radio as a means of knowledge. It is only there to help us along, but we should attend madrasa. We should still go and seek the knowledge that is necessary. Uh, sometimes also uh, the basic things of the deen, you know, sometimes there's questions that are very basic that come through. Mm-hmm. Whilst we don't have a problem in answering any questions, 
The only problem is it's indicative of the fact that the person perhaps is not diligent enough to at least go and learn the basics of the deen. Mm. So that is what we want to encourage. Uh, shukran for listening to this program and for being part of it. We really appreciate it. But at the same time, do your bit as well to go and seek the knowledge of our deen, especially the essentials that is required in your daily life. May Allah make it easy for all of us, inshallah. Until we meet again, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And from Rikha wa Salam until we meet again on Thursday. Have a good, have a good evening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Wassalamu alaikum and a very good day to you. Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. The voice of the